Amen. It's, it's good. It feels so good to be able to come together and pray as, uh, as a congregation, as the people of God. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Titus uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. That's where we're going to be today. My name, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Luke. I have the privilege to be, of being on staff uh, here at Compass. And, and um, this morning I get the privilege of, of walking us, continuing to walk us through uh, through this letter written by Paul to this young man named Titus, and, and um, as as we go through this passage, what we're going to be what we're going to be looking at, and, and as you can kind of see up there, what we're looking at. Uh, like a lens we're using to look at this book is church for the disinterested. Church for the disinterested. Paul, Paul is writing, again, he's writing a letter to Titus, and so it's not necessarily to us, but it is for us. And so as we look at this, I, I, I kept thinking about this, this passage through this lens, Church for the Disinterested, and I kept thinking, you know, I, I really believe that disinterested people become interested when what we profess matches what we present. I, I like it when words start with the same letter because it helps me remember them. I, I, so let me say that again. People who are disinterested become interested when we, when we as the church, when we as God's people, when what we profess matches what we present. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where what you experience uh, is maybe just kind of like disarming or like it, it just causes like, well, that's uh, like it's a disorienting experience. I don't know if you've ever had this. I, I had uh, a similar experience. Um, just last week, we were actually, we have some uh, good friends who own an Airbnb down in Florida and and they gifted us their house for a week, which is, you know, just blessed, hashtag blessed, right? Uh, my kids always tell me things I say aren't cool sometimes, but, you know, I just keep saying them anyway. Um, and so, I, you know, blessed, we went down to Florida. It's a 12 and a half hour drive. We always drive whenever we go places because, you know, it's fun and whatever. Um, and so as we drive, one of the things that, you know, you, you try and keep yourself uh, entertained during a long drive like that, and one of the things I do is I like to, I like to wonder about what, what are the stories in the cars next to us, you know? And especially when there's like stickers on the back of them. Um, it's like, okay, oh, that person uh, really likes the spaghetti space monster. I wonder what their story is. Like, I wonder who they are. I want you know, and so as I'm, as I'm driving, I was passing this car and they had a pretty big sticker on their, on their back window and it said, dog mom. It was a pretty big sticker. It's like, oh, this person is very into dogs. And my guess is from the sticker, they're a mom of dogs. And so, hmm, what kind of person has dog mom on? The, and if you have a sticker, dog mom, on the back of your car, that's great. All right, nothing. I like dogs, so not, not against you. But as I'm, as I'm pulling up to the, next to this car, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder who this person is. I'm creating a personality in my mind. Um, and as I pull up beside them, I look over expecting to see a certain type of person that would put dog mom on the back of their car. And instead, what I see is an older white man with a very impressive mustache, like one of those 70s cop mustaches, you know, and and as I as I was experiencing it, it, it was just one of those experiences. Like, wh wait, 
like I'm, I'm creating this story in my head of what I'm going to experience and then all of a sudden what I'm experiencing doesn't match the sticker on the back of the car and I'm trying to figure out like, okay, so my story is completely different. What did they buy this car for, you know, from a person who did, you know, it's like I'm trying to create an alternate reality. Very disorienting, right? That's a, that's a funny example, maybe not so funny for you, but it was funny for me at the time. I was like, huh, that's funny. Um, but but I, I, I think, you know, obviously, when we experience disorientation like that in places like the church, it's not just disorienting. It's not just like, oh, you know, they must, their sticker doesn't match their person. It's actually extremely destructive, Right? It keeps people dis, disinterested. It keeps people on the outside. I, I, don't know, I don't know about you. I haven't looked up the statistics, but I have experienced, I've sat with people. I've heard story after story after story of people who have experienced church hurt, people who have experienced uh, religious uh, trauma. Uh, I mean, just all of these, these different stories because all too often what we experience doesn't match the sticker on the back of the car. How many of you have, uh, have listened to the, the Mars Hill podcast. It was super popular here a little while ago. It ended now. Yeah, a couple of you. Some of you are still trying to figure out what podcasts are. That's fine. I'm there too. Um, but, but that whole podcast, was it was all describing a, an extremely disorienting experience where, where the, the message, what's professed, the message is professed, does not match what's presented. See, and, and as we go into the passage that we're looking at this morning, I think what Paul is doing as he's, as he's talking to Titus is he's saying, look, it, there, there are a lot of disinterested people. We live in a space and time. Um, uh, Craig talked two weeks ago about the different eras of, of Christianity. We live in a space and time where, where people are kind of like, oh, church, you still do that. Huh, that's good for you. You know, I, okay, that's, that's fine for some people. We, we kind of live in that space and time, which it doesn't mean there's, there's not hope. It just means that's where we are. And I think if we are going to, to be a church that says, hey, no, the, the church is still viable. God is still working. God is still moving. He hasn't stopped. Then ultimately, what we profess has to match what we present. If you would, we're, we're going we're gonna to stand up. We're going to read God's word. Um, if, if you don't have a Bible with you, um, it's, it's on page, uh, Titus is on page like 1816 in those, in those Bibles. If you would stand, and if you don't have a Bible on you, I think it's going to be up on the screen. But we're going to read this, and, I, and I, again, I want us to read this in this mindset, in this, in this filter of, okay, uh, if disinterested people are going to become interested, what we profess has to match what we present, right? So uh, let's read, starting in verse 10, chapter 1. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. 
that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by the works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks Let's pray. God, as we read this passage... We recognize there's some, there's some really hard things in here. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to, to walk into your word just w- with openness. God, I pray that you would speak. Pray that you would use my, my words. And, God, I pray that you would give us a heart to receive here this morning. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. You can, you can be seated. As, as we look at this passage, the first thing that we need to see is that it starts with the word for. Okay? Starts with the word for, and what, what Paul is doing is this, he's, he's connecting this passage to the passage we talked about last week, where Paul writes to Titus, and he says, hey, Titus, you need to set up overseers, you, you need to set up elders who can set the pace for the church. He, he gives different descriptors for these people, people who aren't given to debauchery, who are above reproach, who are hospitable. Um, you can go back verses uh, 5 through 9 and, and read those for yourselves, but it's, it's not, he's not saying set up super Christians. He's not saying that. He's, he's saying look for people who have this already, whose lives are, 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 are pouring out the reality of God working in them. Look for these people. And, and when, you, when you find them, he's saying, basically formalize it and say, hey, you're already doing this. Let's just formalize it and, and let's say, yes, you are an elder. You are setting the pace. And he says, for, he says, here's, here's the reason why we need to do that. Here's the reason why we need to say, all right, here are the people that are teaching what is correct, what is sound doctrine. These are the people who are, who are expressing hospitality, who, who are lovers of good, who are self-controlled, upright, holy. Here are the people for, he says, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. It's, there, there are some really hard parts in this passage. Right? Three times, Paul gives three different uh, descriptor groups of three words. I mean, th- what we just read, there is that. Uh, what the Cretans say, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And at the end, it says detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. It, it, there's some really hard stuff in here. But Paul is saying, look, this is where you're at. It, that, that first, those first words, insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, we can kind of go into all of that. But basically what he's talking about is there are people that have just cast off restraint and they're just going for it and they, they, they're not disciplined. And he says they're empty talkers. What they, they like to talk a lot, but their, their words have no substance. And actually not only that, but they're deceivers. And he says, especially, he goes on to describe uh, these people, especially those of the circumcision party, which is not a party I would like to be invited to, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad joke. Every time I read it, though, I giggle. So, especially those of the circumcision party, he's saying, look, here's descriptors. And, and here's, here's a little bit of, of who they are. And, and basically, this circumcision party, they are people, they're either Jewish converts to Christianity and who have come into the church, or they're Gentiles who have been converted to Christianity. They're in the church, but they've been influenced by Jewish tradition and culture. 
And, and I, I want to think the best of them. It, actually, in, in Acts 15, we see the same group of people, the circumcision party. In, in Acts 15, they're, they're teaching in, in uh, the church of Antioch, and it actually creates this big upheaval. And, and Paul uh, and his followers, they go to Jerusalem, and they have this big council, and they come together. And, and basically what we see is that this group of people is trying to say, okay, we, we have the Old Testament. We have the old covenant, we have scripture, and we're trying to figure out how does scripture work with what we're experiencing right now. Because circumcision, you know, sometimes we like to paint people with a broad uh, brush and say, oh, those, those people were all bad. And yet these people, they were, they were trying hard to hold on to the things of God. And in Acts 15, I believe what's happening is they're, they're trying to say, okay, we see God's working in a new way, but how do, we, how do we like bring what we've known into what we know now, and how do we work with this? And so that's, that could be part of it. And yet what we see here is, is Paul saying they're doing this for dishonest gain. And we don't know exactly what that meant. It could be that they were trying to, to get money for their teaching. It could be that they were trying to make a living out of this false teaching. Or it could be most of the time what we see when Jesus is interacting with the false teachers, Pharisees, and, and different ones is this prideful arrogance. It's like, I want a position in the church, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself somebody. And so that could be what we, what we see here. And basically, what we're seeing is people are taking the, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, the gospel that we are saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus by grace. And they're saying, yeah, that's all good. But, you know, if you really want to be in, got to go have surgery. Right? If you really want to be in, if you really want to be in the group, um, you know, that BLT you're enjoying, well, you better make it an LT. Right? Leave off that bacon. You better, you know, you better, better make yourself. You, here's, here's a new list of all the things you need to do. And so we need to get your, your obedience in the right direction. We need to get your behavior in the right direction. And basically, they're making this hybrid religion that is not the message of Christianity. Right? He, he's saying what you really need is you need a new checklist. And Paul says in, to Titus, he says, they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So they must be silenced. Ooh, strong words, right? But basically what he's saying, literally it's saying they need to be gagged, like they need to be taken, their platform needs to be taken away. Don't give them any room to talk because what they are teaching is going against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and literally he means that they're, they're upsetting whole families. And that word upsetting, it doesn't mean like, oh, that really upset me. Hmm. You know, that's not what that means. It's not like my, my feelings are hurt that somebody said this about me. It literally means they're, they're turned upside down. It's like when, when I was in youth group, uh, I, was that, I was that kid, like the super annoying youth group kid. Um, and we, we'd, go, we'd go on float trips, which I used to go on float trips uh, in youth group. And I took, I took our college ministry a couple years ago on a float trip here in Missouri. It was not like the float trips I experienced as a kid. Have you ever been on a float trip here in Missouri? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It is nuts. Jeremiah, don't take your group to float trip uh, here in Missouri. Like, people were like, you want shots? It's like, no, we don't want shots. We're just trying to float down the river. But anyway, I, as, a, as a youth group kid, 
um, we're going down the, down the river, and I was one of those kids that I would always get just bored. You know, it's like I'm floating in a canoe, I'm hot, you know, and so I, I was one of those, like, whoa, 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 you know, and the people in the canoe with me, they'd be all mad at me, and then all of a sudden, I'd just take it too far, and we just, the whole canoe would be upside down. Unfortunately, I was a kid and didn't put into, you know, like didn't think far enough to think that, oh, my lunch just went in the river, and oh, my backpack with my fresh clothes is now in the river. I didn't think that far ahead. But that's, that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. And, and the, this idea of whole families, uh, I read a couple different commentaries that talked about how this is, that word, it's referred to households. And, and the connection that they're talking about, where, where did most churches meet in, in the time that Paul's writing this? Where did most churches meet? In homes, in houses. A lot, of, a lot of things that I've read suggest that what he's referring to is not just, not just like a family unit, but it's a house church. People who have experienced the saving work of Jesus in their lives, people who have experienced the salvation, the freedom from sin, and now people are coming in and saying, okay, that's great, but have you been circumcised? And all of a sudden, their whole world goes upside down because they're like, oh, wait a second. I thought it's, I'm saved because of what's been done for me, not because I, I have to do all these different things. And they're, they're like, no. And Paul says, you have to silence that because that is not the gospel. Like, we just experienced what the gospel is. It's that, that Jesus has done for me what I could never do for myself. Amen? That's the gospel. The gospel is not that now I have a better checklist. The gospel is not that I need to, to bring my obedience into line with, with the Bible or new rules or anything else like that. It's not that I need to obtain perfection. It's that I live into a new identity that has been given to me. Amen? Amen. See, that's That's freedom. That is freedom, and that is exactly what, what Paul is saying. Look, if there's anything other than that being taught, it needs to be silenced. And he, he doesn't stop there. He goes on in uh, verse, uh, verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, and so he, he, he kind of gives this some context. He's like, yeah, these are strong words, but here's the context. And he says, one of the Cretans, one of their own, and this was a prophet or a poet, um, and the, the word, I got it right in first service, uh, the, guy that is, uh, the guy that's writing this that he's referencing is a guy named um, uh, uh, Epimenides. Epimenides, all right. I, every time I read it, in my head it's different. So I'm like, okay, is what's going to come out my mouth the same? Anyway, um, so Epimenides, and this is a guy that had, had been writing... Um, in like the 6th or 7th century. So for, for centuries, when Paul comes on the, on the scene, this is well known. This is, this is what Cretans are. This area that Titus is, is forming this church, that he's, he's setting up these people that can set the pace. He's saying, look, one of their own prophets, Epimenides, he says, he says this, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. It's interesting because as I read that, I don't think Paul is saying, so we've got to circle the wagons and, you know, like the, the church is under fire and we've got to, you know, he's not saying that. I think what he's saying is he's saying, hey, this is where we're at. Like, like we don't have to be people who are extremely anxious by the culture we find ourselves in. We are people who get to actually just be secure 
in the God that we serve no matter what culture we find ourselves in. Like we get to be the people who take a deep breath and say, yeah, yeah, we're, we're in, a, in a crazy culture. And he says, because of that, because of the culture we find ourselves in, he says, therefore rebuke them sharply. Now the them there, it, it, could, it could reference the, these false teachers that are, that are teaching something other than the gospel of Jesus. It could be the, the Cretans that, that, that Paul is referencing. But I think that what he's talking about is he's saying, yes, here's the reality of our situation. And so therefore, any gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus, rebuke it sharply. Come against it. Bring it into the light. Show it for what it is. And, and I love it because the, the word sharply, this, this word rebuke, it's, it's convict, condemn. Like, and and uh, he, this word severe, sharply, it's the other place he uses in 2 Corinthians 13, 10. He says, for this reason, I write these things while I'm away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe, same word, severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for the building up, not for tearing down. He's saying, look, I, I want to use this authority, this, this gospel that has give, been given to me. I want to use it to build up, not to tear down. But there is real danger out there. It reminds me of when, when my wife and I, we were, we were watching my nephew. And he was really young at the time. Uh, I have no idea how, how young, but young. And we were at, at a department store. And we, we go to walk out the door. The sliding doors come open. And guess what he does? He's like five, six years old, something like that. Takes off running. And, and we don't have kids at the time, you know, it's like, oh, shoot, I'm going to lose, you know, we're going to lose uh, my sister-in-law's kid. This is not going to be good. And so immediately, without even thinking, it was an automatic response, I grabbed him, and as I'm grabbing, this hand is going like this, boop. <laughs> and like, as I, I was like, I shouldn't spank another person's kid, you know, it's like, oh, I did it. You shouldn't spank other people's children. So just, just if you're wondering, that's, that's not the point of this, this uh, story. But in that moment, I wasn't, I wasn't spanking him because he disobeyed me. I wasn't spanking him because he disobeyed a rule or, or anything else. I, I reacted because the danger was real. I reacted because there were things out through those doors that, were, that could possibly end his existence, end his life. And I reacted and I responded. And Paul says, look, we need to react and respond because we live in a culture that especially if they're preaching different gospels than the one that Jesus presents, our sticker doesn't match our preference or our presence, right? And if we do that, people are, people are not going to come near. They're just gonna get a better, better checklist, but that doesn't bring freedom, and, and for those of you who are thinking, oh, great, now you're, you're giving me a license to spank other people's kids and a license to, to rebuke everything sharply, and I just, you know, like, you leave church with loaded, you know, loaded pistols this morning, I think we have to stop and look at the, the, the rest of what Paul's saying here. He says, rebuke them sharply. Why? You see that? That they may be sound in the what? They, they may be sound in the faith. 
That word sound, it actually means healthy. It has the same like, like reference of, of peace. Like there's, there's this desire for them to be healthy and whole. See, I, I, I've grown up in the church. I've been in the church all my life. I'm basically born into the church. And you don't spend as much time in the church as I have without being rebuked sharply a few times, right? I, and I, I have been rebuked sharply to the point where I don't know, I don't want to judge, uh, you know, motivations, but I would say some of the times that I have been rebuked sharply, it wasn't for my health, I've been rebuked sharply. I remember being rebuked sharply for running in the sanctuary, right? I think, I think I got spanked by an old woman in the church because I was, maybe that's why I learned spanking other people's kids is fine. <laughs> I've, been, I've been rebuked sharply for, you know, like, like you, you don't spend as much time in the church without hearing like, oh, these kids, disrespectful kids, they put holes in the walls, these disrespectful kids wear jeans and these disrespectful, like, you, you don't grow up in the church as long as I have without being rebuked sharply for these different things. I, I, I remember I was, I was in Bible college. And, uh, you know, I, freshly out of the house, uh, it's like three in the morning, and we're still awake, of course, right, in the dorm. And, uh, you know, you get to this point in the night where people are like, well, what do we do now? And nobody says, you know, guys, we should probably go to sleep. Nobody says that, right? <laughs> instead, instead, we're like, you know, I said, you know what we should do? We should shave my head. And everybody was like, yeah. And it's like, why? I don't know. Like, I don't know why that was a thought process. But we did it. You know, somebody produces razors. We, I mean, we bicked it. It was the first time I'd ever done that. We bicked it. I, you know, you have early morning class in the morning. I think my class started at 8 in the morning. I go, I go into class. All of a sudden, the president of the college sees me. And now I'm, I'm being, you know, talk about rebuke sharply. I've been told that I have the sin of rebellion because I shaved my head. Now because I shaved my head, I can't sing in chapel because at Bible College we had chapel every day. I can't sing in chapel because the sin of rebellion might infect the, the other people through my singing. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't because I was a dumb college student who was up at way too late and thought shaving my head was a good idea. It was, it was just like, oh, we got to pew, pew, pew. I don't like that. And, and I think, and, you know, we can, we can be hard on, on uh, you know, these people who do these things. But we do the same thing. We all do the same thing. There are times where we can be more about, about the kingdom of me than the kingdom of God. There's so many times where, where really what we want to do is as we disciple others or as we inform others, as we pour into others, it becomes more about, hey, you need to have my checklist. You need to follow my checklist and that's going to make you okay. And it becomes about um, making disciples of me and my kingdom and not of God. And yet what Paul says here is he's saying, rebuke them sharply for their health because that is not the gospel. The gospel isn't, again, it's not, it's not behavior modification. And yet, so many times, that's what we want and that's what we look for. Just behave a certain way. Just do a certain way instead of, of walking into a new identity that has been given to me. 
See, Paul, he, he goes on, and, and I really believe this is what he's saying because the end of this passage, he begins to talk about clean and unclean and pure and impure. In, in verse 15, he says, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. As, as we read that, my mind immediately goes back to the words of Jesus as he's talking to the Pharisees in, in Mark chapter 7. And we're not going to open that up this morning. You can write a little note and you can go back and read it for yourself. But, but in Mark chapter 7, it says that the Pharisees come and they're, they're around Jesus and they must be eating a meal. And they're like, wait a second, your disciples didn't wash their hands. And should we wash our hands before we eat? Yeah, we, I mean, we're still in a pandemic and, you know, you should wash your hands for you. That's not what they're talking about. They're not saying, ooh, that's gross, your hands are dirty. That's not what they're saying. And, and Mark actually goes on to say that the, the Pharisees, they had all these different rules and, and you had to wash cups and plates in certain ways. And if you go out in the marketplace, you had to wash before you came in. And, and what the language there, what they're doing is they're talking about ceremonially unclean and clean, ceremonially pure and impure. And what the Pharisees did is they took what, was, what happened in the temple and they said, well, if this in the temple, if we get to be close to God because we do all those things, well, maybe we should do this in our house and maybe we should do this in, in the marketplace and maybe we should make other people do this. And it became more about their obedience to this tradition than it did about their closeness to a God who loved them. See, he, he says here, he says, look, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. What he's saying there is really, he's talking about the gospel again. He's saying, look, if you outside of Jesus Christ, nothing is going to make you pure. But if we are in Christ, it doesn't matter what checklist you have. It's your identity. It's who God has made you to be. We, we, can, we can look. He says, he says in verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They were detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. The very work that they're trying to say, look at me, I'm, I'm close to God. Look at me, I do two hours of quiet time every day. Look at me, I've, I'm, I'm well on my way to my Bible reading plan this year, which it's almost March, and I won't ask you to raise your hand to see who's still on that, right? But, but we, can, we can have this mindset that says, look at me, look at all the things I'm doing, and by that work... They're actually showing that they don't know the God who they're trying to work for. See, this morning, church, as we read this, as we read this passage and as we see that we need to have people who, who, who are setting the pace for the gospel. We need to have people who are setting the pace, leaning into who God says that they are. We, we need to be people who our bumper stickers match, uh, match our presence. What we profess matches our presence. And the only way we do that is that we lean in to the relationship that we have with the, with the living, loving God of the universe. Amen? The God who sent his son to die for us, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, not because of our lists. Not because of what we can check off, not because of all the things that we can do and the behavior that we can, that we can enter into, but it's the identity that we have been given. So this morning, church, my, my prayer for us is that we would lean into that. I, I was thinking, and I want to I close with this, I was thinking about like, 
you know, what, what are some of the things that, that characterize this? And my mind keeps going to, to Romans, um, Romans chapter 8. I mean, it's one of my favorite passages. I mean, just, just listen to a few things that he says about us. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We are, we are, we are debtors not to the flesh. We, we are adopted as sons. We are children of God. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We are sons of God, children of God. The, the spirit helps us in our weakness. The spirit intercedes. There are so many places that as we read through this, I mean, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What does it look like for you to live into the identity that you've been given? Because again, Here's the, here's the reality. Disinterested people will become interested when what we profess matches what we present. Let's, let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. And God, I confess that, that I, am, I am woefully incapable of living a life of perfection. God, my life, there, there are times where, where I let anger get the best of me, where I, am, I can be selfish, I can, I can, God, there, there are times in my life where I allow things to get the better of me, and yet the reality is that that is not who you say that I am. And yet who I am is your child. God, who I am is one who has been set free from sin and death. And so, therefore, I can walk in that freedom knowing you. And yes, God, I can, I can hold tightly to, to the doctrine of, of truth that says you have saved me, that you have come to save us. And so, God, I pray, I pray for us as a church that, that if we find ourselves rebuking sharply just because we want people to, to be obedient, because we want people to follow the checklist, because we want people to do all that, God, help us to, to be silenced. And instead, God, give us a heart of hospitality. Give us a heart that loves good. Give us a heart who, who is setting the pace when it comes to knowing God and leaning into the identity that we've been given so that, so that our neighbors will see, so that our coworkers will see, so that our, our classmates will see, so that, so that the people around us will see what it looks like to be a person loved by God and they will desire that same love. Let us be that God. We praise you. Thank you. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.